What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the NC Raw podcast. We got a a pretty solid conversation in store for you today. Had a difficult week. I'm going to keep it a little bit short uh, for you today. Um, If you're curious what's going on, check out our Patreon page. I did a live stream uh, prior to the recording of this episode where I kind of went in depth about all the um, wonderful and difficult changes that are going on in my life. So check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ncraw. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to help us um, grow and achieve our goals of uh, opening a recording studio and community recovery center here in Western North Carolina. So head over there and check that out. Um, On this episode today, First, first of all, the uh, the newlyweds, Caleb and Caitlin, return to the podcast. They returned from their honeymoon like the day before, and they joined us and brought a good friend of theirs, Miss Shelly Buckner. Shelly is a tribal prosecutor and person in long-term recovery. She is an inspiration and a leader in the uh, recovery community here in Western North Carolina. It's a solid conversation. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I love her sense of humor. Uh, I enjoyed it. I don't know if Caleb did. Uh, we were kind of busting his balls a little bit, but that was fun. So uh, she's a she's a great woman and uh, a true leader. So give some love to Miss Shelley Buckner. <laughs> The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Good evening, beautiful people, friends. Hi. Glad to be here. What up? Welcome back. The honeymooners have arrived. Honeymooners. Shelly Buckner. Hello. What's going on? Good to be here. Is it? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can't tell you how many uh my boys well, it's it's clockwork. He always does that. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many um messages I got last week from random people saying, Hey, are the honeymooners back? Are the honeymooners back? Really? Are, are the lovebirds back? <laughs> like a handful of them. Cause they were like, I think they were like a little like uh intimidated to like they wanted you to have your time. 
they didn't want to like yeah they didn't want to uh, <coughs> interfere with you know what was taking place well that wow. didn't stop that didn't stop a few people from messaging me like myself included well i mean that but just random people you know uh i had a, a girl reach out to me i think about two days in she's like hey i heard you uh do personal training and i was like look i'll message you and i'll get back from my honeymoon <laughs> i ain't gonna deal with all this plus caitlin be looking at me sideways so this is the very first podcast. This is our seventy-first podcast, and this is the very—I don't know how many that you've you've made it to, but I should go back and check. But this is the very—we've talked about this happening a lot. This is the very first one where he actually ran here. Really? Yes, we have been talking about it for a long time. It's been like an ongoing running joke <coughs> that when's Caleb going to run to Cullowee? Way to put some action behind your words for a podcast. That's all I do. I'm I was sitting. That's all I do. I was sitting here doing a, the behind the scenes little live stream for our Patreon page, which you can subscribe to for a dollar, as little as a dollar a month, on our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/ntraw. But I was sitting here talking to our patrons and just like um, talking about what's transpired over the last couple of weeks. And a shirtless man approached the the glass door there. Ginger Malcolm, <laughs> did you hear that? A, a shirtless, a shirtless, sweaty. <laughs> A sweaty, shirtless man approached the door. Not just any man, a man of God, Ginger. That shirt? <laughs> what? It's madness. Uh-huh, it sure is. So, so Shelly, my very first question is, how did you find yourself um, in the midst of running with these two? Because I met you through these two guys. And, uh, I met, well, the first time, I remember the first time meeting you, we're doing a podcast on New Year's Day with Tom Shanahan. Yes. And you, but we had, I think we had already started when you arrived. So I didn't really get to like formally meet I you. Came in a little bit came late. Came in a little bit mm-hmm. late. Yeah. And then like Caleb's like, yeah, I've been, you know, doing some training with her and that sort of thing. But I didn't really get to, I wasn't really like connecting the dots until probably our Super Bowl party. And then I like figured out like all that had happened. So like, how, how did you guys like, how did you guys begin to? Well, <laughs> I yeah. had um, I had paid attention to to the run last year. Um, so that was the, was like that the a, first the, time that you had any type of like awareness of Caleb McCoy? It is okay. Yeah, I actually was just out of curiosity, um, searching to see if anyone had run the Trail of Tears route, and was surprised to learn that someone was planning to locally. Um, so you were so researching I, the Trail of Tears route mm-hmm. pro- on your own, on privately. Own. And simultaneously, he was planning that. Getting ready to run. And I, I realized when I stumbled across it that I'd seen him training. Around but town? I, did, I didn't know him. The shirtless but, man that we just described running down the street? Yes, I don't remember <laughs> seeing him shirtless. I was not, I was, like I, I was not I ready to go shirtless. <laughs> No, it's taking a long time to get here. Um, <laughs> I know it. Long time. I've still not arrived yet. There is no finish line. And uh, yeah, I just—I mean, I would check in along the route just to see how things were going. Of course, that was an impressive feat, um, really inspiring. And then I also kind of casually paid attention to what Res Hope was doing um, mm-hmm. and heard about it in the community. And I think it was the Thanksgiving event that y'all had mm-hmm. um, that. One of my colleagues was headed over there, and I wanted to ride along just to to meet them in person, introduce myself, and 
um, let them know that that I'm in recovery as well. Um, just want to make that connection personally. And so I, I, we spoke for a little while there, talked a little bit about some right. runs, runs that yeah. y'all wanted to to do. Um, and then I guess it was a month or so later. I think you challenged me to work out with you that first time we met. Of course you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think we actually <laughs> hit the gym about a month or so later. Um, but while I have not done the ultras that Caleb has or you, aspires to, it's, you done the it's, six on a, my, it's on my bucket list. You've done the 6 a.m. spin classes, though, right? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a beast. Yeah, she, she is. She, yeah, she's very I don't call consistent. her savage for nothing. Very consistent and relentless with her training. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and they were just like, I was like, uh, I was mess. I was like joking around, like uh, talking to him about accountability. And so I, um, instead of using the word accountability, I said, I'm going to Kayla McCoy you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, and this person was like, well, you don't know what it's like to be Kayla McCoy until you show up to a a. 6am spin class. (laughs) 630. 630. It is 630. It is. For the record, it is 630. What do you remember about that? What do you remember about that first interaction with Shelly Kelly? <clears throat> um, well, her colleague, Cody White, is uh, I graduated a year ahead of Cody, played football with him, JV's varsity, you know, um, used to run with him quite a bit before I started, you know, my my, my chaos years and the madness. And, and uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, we invited Cody up and Shelly showed up with him and we just got to talking and. Um, they're huge recovery allies and just made that connection. And she started talking about running. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, and uh, just it, everything flowed from there. You've had a lot of people um, approach you, right, from all walks of life over the last year and a half. Uh, what what was it like to just know that, like, you're – you're actually like on the other side of this thing where like you're able to have a conversation with a tribal prosecutor, right. (laughs) About training, right. To challenge her to go exercise with you. Like what? I Uh, know. Where did that go? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like challenge. I don't even know how that conversation got started. (laughs) I think both of us like put your money where your mouth is. Like, you know, just right. I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned uh, I was going to do some start doing some personal training, and you said you'd come back from an injury and needed somebody to work out with, and I think that's kind of how it got started. Yeah. But yeah, back to what you were saying, being locked up so many times and running from you know law enforcement and everything, and and uh, one of the <clears throat> most vivid memories I have of being in Cherokee Jail was. Uh, I was so embarrassed. Uh, I got taken upstairs for a bond hearing, and uh, I was like 140 pounds, soaking wet in boots, in in Crocs. <laughs> and uh, Cody was the prosecutor that day, obviously. And and uh, I can't remember what he said to me. He said, "I think he just come up to me. He's like, what are you doing, man? You know, like what what what's going on with you? What happened to you?" And and I just was had so much shame and guilt, you know, and just remembering from where we used to be, and and uh, 
it's just it's amazing the full circle moments you know that that I get to experience now from running from them to running with them and they still can't keep up. <laughs> he's never, he's never gonna let that go. Someone's got to catch him. <laughs> Someone's got to catch him. Uh, um, he he talk about those full full circle moments all the time and it happens so often to you. I guess I'm interested to know like being a person in long term recovery, right? what it's like to be in that seat that Cody's in, right? And to like be on that side of things. Like there has to be, I think that at least my experience would tell me that there has to be personal dilemmas and things. And like, it has to be difficult to see people it's always difficult to see people mm-hmm. struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, selfishly, oh. it keeps it keeps it really green for me, you mm-hmm. know, um, which is important, I think, to never forget. But it's hard. Um, we all have our own story, you know. Um, and, yeah, it can, it can really be challenging and, and heartbreaking when I know, or at least I think I know, um, some of the pain that, that individuals experiencing and feeling like there's not a way out. You know, there's a, there's a long time where I felt like not only that I was especially unique, um, but that there was no light, you know, no light at the end of the tunnel. And um, that's one of the beautiful things about seeing people in early recovery and seeing that light come on. But I see, you know, I encounter a lot of people, unfortunately, where that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. How did you find yourself in Cherokee as a prosecutor? How, how did this happen? Like, how did you end up here? How did you land here? So my husband is from Jackson County. I uh, grew up here. Um, went to high school at Tuscola, actually, in, in Haywood County. Um, and his family is very much involved in the community. His dad um, was the band director for a long time at Western. So has a lot of, um, has a, a lot of connections here and a lot of... Um, you know, personal investment in in the people here and in the community here. And I'm from Atlanta originally, and he and Andy, my husband, and I had met in in Raleigh, and both kind of, while we enjoyed living there, didn't feel especially connected to, to Raleigh, didn't have a reason to stay. I wanted to get closer to Atlanta, and, and he wanted to come back home. So um, we came out here and visited, and I just fell in love immediately um, driving into Silva. And uh, I met Bonnie Claxton who is the manager of the legal assistance office, um, pretty early after Andy and I had moved. Um, and that was actually my first position with, with the tribe was with the legal assistance office. I did most of their uh, civil de- domestic violence work. Um, then when the position opened up at the prosecutor's office, it sounds incredibly cheesy, but I just felt like that's my job. I mean, it, it seemed like it would be a good fit. I think it was a good fit. I feel like I'm in a position where I can do a lot of good, um, interact with a lot of people in the community, and I've, I've really enjoyed being there. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. At what point in this process of recovery have you, did you begin to be open about your story and tell your story? Well, I, I got sober in, in Raleigh um, 
my sobriety date is March 3rd of 2011. And uh, I first started going to meetings, um, going to AA meetings in about May of 2010. Um, took me a little while to surrender. <laughs> but uh, at least in the Raleigh community, at most of the meetings that I attended, um, they wanted you to have a little bit of time under your belt before you would be asked to, to tell your story. So I, I don't think I shared, or at least didn't share at a big meeting, um, didn't share my story for probably the first year, 18 months or so. Um, and then I had someone ask me to um, to reach out to the Lawyers Assistance Program. That's a, uh, a group within the North Carolina State Bar um, that helps lawyers with substance abuse issues, among other things. Um, and you have to have, I guess, two years of sobriety to be considered for the position of a volunteer. But um, I went through that application process with two or three years in recovery and um, was accepted to do that, and, and so pretty consistently since then, so 2013 or so, I've been um, sharing my story with, with lawyers and non-lawyer mm -hmm. groups. The Lawyer Assistance Program. Lawyer, lawyer Assistance Program. Is that something that you took advantage of for, for your personal recovery? It's not, and I so wish that I had. Is um, it because it wasn't on your radar? You weren't aware of it, or? I wasn't aware enough about it. Okay. Um, I thought without doing research around it, um, that it was like disciplinary in nature. I was scared mm. of it. If I had known um, what is the it? help that was available there, it's um, it's an organization within the bar that seeks to connect um, lawyers with, with not only substance abuse concerns, but also mental health issues. Right. And, oh, okay. and I'm, yeah. In, you know, two resources that might be of some assistance and it's just a really wonderful supportive network, and and you do get to see, you know, have that community with people who are similarly situated to you, have a lot of the same professional concerns and and personal mm -hmm. concerns and and history, and um, I just it, it would have been wonderful to have found it sooner, but yeah. um, I'm glad that I found it eventually. Is that is that something that's pretty prevalent among attorneys? Is substance use and it, um, I think it. <coughs> yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Um, I wonder why that is. But uh, you weren't an attorney first, right? Or was you? I was. Oh, you were. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I've been practicing since 2000, 2001. Oh. What's pretty cool is Shelly comes from the U. That was part of her story, like back in the glory days of Miami. I did go to Miami. Is that where you went to school? Yeah, yeah. that's where I went to law school. I went to yeah. undergrad in, in Virginia, but went to law school in Miami. Back in the heyday, I'm trying to think, like Michael <laughs> Irvin and Vinny Testaverde, or a little after that. A little bit after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was there when uh, Jimmy Johnson. After that, nineties. After the Rock. After the Rock. <laughs> um, yeah. I, oh gosh, I started in '99 there, so I, okay. I don't remember. Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh. Uh, tidy and the tidy and Kellen Winslow. Yeah, Kellen mm -hmm. Winslow. Mm -hmm. A little bit after he was a he was a <laughs> okay. He, Willis McGay. I'm not arguing with you. He was, he was a punk. He was a punk. I, I'm a Florida State fan, yeah. but Miami was man, it was tough. Oh, Sean Taylor. Sean safety. Taylor. Oh, yeah. Goodness, one of the best ever. Um, <laughs> the lawyer assistance program. So, like, I guess uh, reflecting back on like my story, I worked for like a. 
Fortune 500 company who had like an employee assistance program, which is probably something that's very similar to like what you guys do. And like they had approached me um, near the peak of my, you know, substance use and were like, hey, do you got a problem? They knew what was going on. They were like, hey, like, do you need some help? Do you need some assistance? Is there anything that we can do? Like they were leading me to taking advantage of this program and saving ultimately saving my job and my life and that sort of thing and i just lied and lied and lied right. and lied right. to the very end <laughs> until like i denied them lied and lied and lied and uh, a month later they fired me <laughs> you know? well you didn't lie too long did i didn't lie too long <laughs> um, the few times they pulled me into the office and you know had a private conversation and i just lied and lied and lied and was let go because of it and so i guess my my question is like Number one is like how do how is it approached? Is it something that the that the lawyer needs to seek out? Is it something that's like readily available? Is it how do they do it? And then also like something that I'm really curious about is the because I think that's it's a missing piece to like society as a whole is mm -hmm. like the path the path to redemption right. and like when somebody does lie 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 like i did and loses my job what it, what are the what are the steps to to regain your licensing with the bar or whatever like what are the steps to get back what you may have lost so that is That's a lot of def questions. yeah definitely different yeah. questions um well they're certainly available if if one avails themselves to, to the lawyer's assistance program. Um, but there are also individuals who you know, call on behalf of another individual. Um, it, I don't know that I would call it 12-step um, work, but, but there's some reaching out to individuals who may need, may need help. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't make somebody be ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, in terms of getting one's license back, it really depends on where you are um, <clears throat> or if you've actually had any kind of professional consequences. I was very, very fortunate that that's not part of my story. Um, and so I really can't speak to anybody's individual experience, but I know that the lawyer assistance program, you know, they, they want to help people succeed. Of course, they want, it's very important that lawyers provide services adequate um, representation for their clients. I mean, it's also a public service that the Lawyers Assistance Program is doing too, but um, but they want to see people succeed. It's not intended to be punitive. Um, the participation is very much anonymous. Uh, so I, they do great work. Um, I can't speak to yeah. any you what, know, individual cases or anything. Yeah, what role do you play in, in volunteering with them? Um, well, I do share my story uh, at CLEs from time to time. Um, I've done that in different locations throughout the state. Uh, when they need me to um, assist with individual kind of cases, um, I've been involved in, in different levels and with different responsibilities with respect to those. Um, and that, that, again, that started in Raleigh and, and transitioned here. It is very much different recovery community here than, than in Raleigh. Um, I was shocked when when I got here to see um, sort of the I mean there are far fewer meetings. Uh, that's why you know that's one of the reasons why I think what you're doing is so wonderful. Um, 
that you help connect those who might might be struggling to find connections yeah. in recovery. Definitely an opportunity in these rural communities. Um, substance use, addiction, addictive behaviors. It's just as prevalent anywhere you go. Absolutely. Right? So why? Because we live in a um, rural, oftentimes more economically diverse community. Do we not have access to simple forms of care or basic things like transportation or safe housing, things like that? Like those are the, the opportunities. And like I've been doing this for four years here in Western North Carolina what I noticed is that go around to different organizations and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I'll go around to different events or different organizations or different meetings, right? Rallies, community stuff. And like everybody knows what, where the opportunities are, right? Like everybody is aware that transportation is a major barrier. Everybody is aware that housing is a major barrier, but like how many What's stopping people from like taking some action? Like you guys are doing it, right? With your home that you're working on. But like anybody you talk to, everybody knows that like, hey, these are this is what we need to work on. Like this is what this is what we need in our community right now in order to heal, and in in order to like um, allow these families to like get get their lives together. And but like. Everybody talks about it, but nobody's really doing much. Identifying the problem, but not, not, not yeah. having any solutions for it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, there's several <clears throat> different things that play into that. Um, Everybody, I, mean, I don't I want to stay away from it. I'm just going to stay yeah, well, away. Well, no, let's not. Let's just, just be careful in what you say, but let's yeah. not. Like, like, the biggest thing, if I was to say what I just said, right? The bit, the number one um, answer would be like funding and money and things like that. But we know that like that's, of course, that that's the, uh, that's the obvious, right? Funding is the obvious, but it's but not. Is, is it though? Is it? I mean, there's, there's ways you can get people yeah. to buy in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to have the passion and resiliency yeah. to, to keep on, you know, uh, going out and knocking on doors, going out and talking to people and, and presenting them like this is what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I also think it's like scarcity. Like there's so we need more p- champions that are like Caleb said that are passionate, that aren't afraid. Like that, and then we tell people all the time. Like <laughs> it's kind of funny because the the reason and why they start the group. I know the one. Okay, never mind. I ain't gonna say that. It's because they have to. Well, (laughs) is that what you're saying? It's like, well, I want to start something different than what Res Hope is doing. Uh, By all means, please, mm -hmm. please get out there. Get out there and start some kind of group. Get out there. Where's your heart? Yeah, that's why I didn't say it, but Mm -hmm. because I don't want to just pinpoint things. But yeah, where's your heart at? But you know, we need more people that's going to these meetings, that's going and doing these things to get inspired to want to do something, by all means, start a group, you know? I would love to see five different meetings. Who cares if it's at the same time? Or five different, it don't have to be meetings, but whatever you want to call it. But somebody, the availability's there, so they feel comfortable and be like, you know, I don't have to go here, but I can go there. 
empowering people to take action. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times people get into recovery and they settle. And it's like <clears throat> they lose their passion or... Or, but not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of anybody that comes into recovery. And that's a huge step, you know, and, and living out your recovery, that's great. But at the same time, what are we doing to help? What are we doing to help not only our own community, but the people, you know, those around us? That's where we got to find a connection there, too. But transportation I just, and... I just had a conversation huge. about this a little while ago um, before I come up here was about transportation and <clears throat> I mean we're, we're just so blessed to have the resources with the tribe yeah you know and and we just need more people to step up and to be like look no matter what it is the barrier of getting this money or getting this funding for transportation or housing there are ways to get yeah. it yeah you know and you don't have to rely on grants I, I just I mean I I think behind inaction there's usually a lot of fear mm-hmm. and in life in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, not in just everything. with respect to this. And, mm-hmm. you know, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of a responsibility that you're not going to find anyone to share with you. You know, it's just, um, and I think it's easy to, to feel a sense of isolation. That's interesting to investigate a little bit further in the sense that, like, at some point in this recovery and growth process, personally, spiritually, however you want to look at it, that, like, my my experience tells me that, like, that fear begins to shift into opportunity, right? Like we were talking before we went on air about like, how did this podcast thing start up? And like, I went on this 20 minute rant about, and I was excited about it. And I was just going on and on and Shelly's <laughs> nodding her head and looking at me like, you know what I mean? Like that, but they're like, at some point, like the fear was transformed, right? Whether it was through like my meditation practice through, my fellowship through my connection my personal connections or whatever it is like a little bit of all that stuff but at some point like the fear transforms into opportunity turns into like and like if you look at people who tend to use substances become addicted like they get passionate about things and they ru- literally run with it right like you know whatever it is you find something you find your the key to whatever it is and you go with it and so like how do we empower that how do we how do we how do we lead people channel. to how do we channel people to that kind of instinct to like take some take some action i also have some ideas about like the funded thing that i've been like kicking around with Lori at work i mean at school and that's like Number one, um, there has to be a way. This, based off of my years in Florida, like whoever our elected officials are, like, you know, I know we're not going political here, but whoever our elected (laughs) officials are, like the powers that be, like there has to be a way to tap into some of the tourism dollars, right? Whether it's like through some sort of like tourism, minuscule half a penny tax on hotels or amusement or whatever it is, there has to be a way to tap into. There's a ton of money coming into this economy through the tourism that's generated here year round, right? Who's who's to say that recovery models can't get a little bit of piece of that puzzle, a little bit of piece, slice of that pie, mm-hmm. right? The other thing is that there's a ton of people that live on top of these mountains up here that are snowbirds. They got a ton of money. They throw it around all the time. They throw it around to the universities. They throw it to Western. They're, they're giving money away. 
laid down. And they haven't they haven't been approached. With Who's knocking on their doors? Right. Yeah, they they've been affected, and somehow every, we know that everybody's been affected, right? <laughs> Who's knocking on the doors? Who's knocking on the doors and saying, hey, my name is Caleb McCoy. I'm a person of long-term recovery. I ran the damn Trail of Tears last year, and this is what I'm doing for my community. Would you like to support that? I need to take you with me. And knock on the doors. <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, the transportation thing. This kind of came from talking to me and Lori, me, talking with me and Lori's. Jackson, let's start with Haywood. Haywood, Jackson, Swain, the reservation. How many churches do you got on that I think are we on triple triple digits? The yeah, there's triple digits, right? Every one of those churches has a van sitting outside. Most of them do. What yeah. does that van do all week long? Mostly sit there all week. long. Mostly mm-hmm. sits there all week long. Who are who are? Listen, hold on, hold on. I got Don't you. Don't even get me started. On I got you one. Hold on. <laughs> so, who are attending these churches? Christian. Typically, who are like? I'm not gonna. I don't want to. Broken look. people. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, what demographic of folks tend to attend many of these churches? People that need a doctor. Some, some, some. El- like, <laughs> I was going with like Why? elderly. Oh. <laughs> like we got a lot of like an elder. Yeah, there's a huge gap. A know. gap in like people in the sixty, fifty to seventy year old range. Like just, just how you're. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I'm not. You know what I mean? Like there's people. You never who, watched Stephen Furtick then. <laughs> people who have. People who have like retired and who are looking for a little bit of meaning and could who could like yeah, who could have some value in driving that church van once a week. Like if we could rotate this thing, like all right, this church is going to take care of Mondays and this church is going to take care of Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. Like I think that that could ultimately like handle a lot of like the transportation dilemmas that come up. I love is it. That- is Do you that, want to be on our board? <laughs> is that to meetings or to jobs? All of the above. Yeah. 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 Job app, jobs, meetings, yeah. counseling, uh, children Interviews. and family things, and that, like, I mean, all that, that stuff. That should, that, that should be at the heart of every church is missions and, and, and giving back to your community, you know, and, and so many times it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. But they need to have, be uh, provided an opportunity to, to buy in. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We, the the churches we have approached have been open. Yeah, for sure. But that's a great idea. Just like I don't know, I don't know where all that rant came from, but it's things that are on Let's my radar. It. Let's do it. Um, Shelly, t- what is your story? How did you like become a lawyer and find recovery and end up in become a savage, <laughs> a savage, <laughs> savage Shelly? End up in like beautiful. Western North Carolina, the most beautiful part of this country. So you want me to start the theory? No, I just like, okay. just, you know. Well, how the did lawyer you, part, I think, I think it is kind of important okay. to know a little bit about my childhood. I adore both of my parents. We're really close. Um, but I'm an only child. And my dad was an excellent athlete. My mom was an excellent student. And I don't know that they... I felt like I grew up in an expectations high, acceptance low... Mm-hmm. Environment. I don't know if that was true. I think most of the expectations was your perception? were those that, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was my perception. And those expectations were ones I put on myself. Um, I may have felt like their love was conditional, but I don't think that was because of anything they did or didn't do. I mm-hmm. think that was my perspective. Um, and my dad, um, in particular, really liked the idea of me going to law school. Did um, you? At the time? I wasn't sure. 
I graduated from from undergrad and he was so determined that I that I go right from undergrad that he um, offered to contribute a lot financially mm -hmm. if I if I did that and I said no I'm gonna take take a year off <laughs> and I'm laughing because that year off I worked at a, a big law firm in Atlanta by day and a bar by night mm -hmm. so um, that was I know I where this the, is going so that's when I had the stamina to do that where was um, undergrad Washington and Lee it's in Lexington Virginia about an hour north of Roanoke beautiful school um but to be honest one of the things that attracted me to it i think was that it had reputation for um for hard liquor consumption oh. and when i went there it had just gone co-ed it had been all male beforehand um and its campus then and now touches vmi's campus which when i started undergrad was 100 percent male so i found mm. an undergrad that i had lots of access to boys the and liquor. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, Smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> the, the statistics were good. Um, how many of these women grad, uh, not taking yourself out of this equation, how many of, how many of these women graduated married or pregnant? Probably 0%. zero percent. Zero? Okay. It's, right. yeah, it's, it is really competitive okay. academically. Uh -huh. and, um, I, I visited a ton, ton of schools. My dad took me on a big college tour UNC, Duke, Georgetown, all of that, but we drove into Lexington and I said, this is it. So it's actually mm -hmm. the only school I applied to. Um, and it really was just idyllic and utopic. And um, I think that that leaving there was just a shock to the system. So, you know, I go back to Atlanta and it couldn't be further um, in terms of an environment. And so, yeah, law firm by day, bar by night, no good thing happened mm -hmm. <laughs> during that year, um, but I did, and it wasn't it wasn't the firm I was working in that I, I didn't think oh this is what I want, but I did like the intellectual challenge, and um, I really appreciated the work that the attorneys that I met there did, and so um, I applied to I took the LSAT and applied to law school and. Got a scholarship to Miami, so that's that's how I ended up in in Miami. Do you think that the bar life, like working in the bar at night, had like, do you think that you were aware of like the potential risk and that might have like of what could happen from that lifestyle, and that's what might have like influenced you into like going towards law school? Going that's for law a good school? way to think of it. I did maybe, you were you conscious maybe. of like, hey, this could get out of control. Like, I need to like maybe listen to pops and fill out this law school application. I, I, I didn't see anything good coming out of what I was doing long-term for sure. Um, and there were, there were a few nights where I went from my work at the law firm to the bar to a 24-hour club in Atlanta. Back to, back to work. Back to work. Yeah, very, I'm familiar yeah. with that, and, that cycle. Yeah. So is that, is it worked that out well for me. jumping out at you when you figured out like, this isn't a good idea? Or was there something that happened? life-changing, life-altering, where you was like, look, I, I don't need to be here. There, I can't say there was anything life-altering, <clears throat> but I you know, I hadn't really thought about the, the question you just asked. And yeah, it, that may have been in my subconscious. Yeah. I need to make a change. How was South Florida? Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. I got some, I mean, I got some stories. <laughs> <where>. <laughs> well, you're from Tampa, right? Yeah, I spent some time down in Miami and some... Interesting interactions. <laughs> that was the Drew Rosen Rosenhaus period, you know, the age of getting all it was. For the, it was it getting was. all the cocaine for yeah. the yeah. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> getting paid, son. Yeah. <laughs> did, I mean, did you see? Did you see any of that going on when he was down there? Or was I you in a different, in different a demographic of people? Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time in school. <laughs> I did. Like at, at that at that level of like academia, you have to right in it, order to. I did. I mean, I. Oh. It sounds like it just comes natural to you, like if you was you know school? drinking and yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I enjoy that. school. Like I can I, relate I'd to that. I'd love to go back to school. Um, and I really did love learning in law school. That was, that was the way I liked to learn without a lot of busy work, but, um. It's like practical. It is. It's practical and it teaches you how to think, you know, more than it teaches you sort of rote information. But, um, I certainly, I mean, it's Miami, you know, there's plenty to see there. Um, and, and to put it into like a like temporal perspective um i was there when elian gonzalez oh yeah they're trying to deport him back to mm -hmm, cuba or something mm -hmm. okay and he lived i guess a few blocks a mile or so north of me and um well, hang on I, I'm not she'll, she'll go there she'll go there i'm not you don't rem you don't remember he's too young man oh gosh <laughs> that makes me feel really old don't worry i'm, I'm rolling with you he, what was it? I mean, they came over on a raft, yeah, he right? Was young, and uh, he was like six or seven mm -hmm. years old, and they floated over from Cuba. So they like had 90, family in Miami. They had family in Miami. Mm -hmm. It's like 90 miles. He was mm -hmm. living with his aunts and uncles, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and his parents might have perished or been deported. Have, I, think I think they, they might have passed, have passed yeah. in, mm -hmm. on the float over. So he was like all by himself, just living with Americans, his aunts and uncles. And the federal government was trying to deport him. Six, no way. Six-year-old kid. I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was a big media, like media hype and coverage. I think huh. that's where she was going. Mm -hmm. And that. they did, I guess it was a few months in, um, or a few months after I moved to Miami, they came in in the middle of the night or early morning or something yeah. and, and like physically took him from his house. And it was, after that point, there weren't as many helicopters kind of flying over. Yeah. Um, have you seen, have you seen him? I have. Yeah. Yeah. He's an adult now. Yeah. He's, he's a grown man. <laughs> yeah. He's not a little boy. He's like, I'm sure he gets people saying to him all the time, like, I remember he's you, you know, it was yeah. being six or seven, however old he's he was. He's 25 years old. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that definitely ages me. But so that's, I was there then. Ricky Martin had just come on the scene. Ricky Martin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like nice. the national scene. Um, uh, Enrique else? Iglesias, it's all that same. Ah. It was a little bit post Hurricane Andrew. Mm -hmm. What was the um, fashion designer that got murdered on the street down there? Yes. Uh, Were you there? Versace, then? Gian, Johnny yeah. Versace. Were you there then? That was a little before, a little before okay. I moved. But, um, you know, in terms of partying in Miami, it was ridiculously expensive. I mean, just from a practical standpoint, yeah. to to take a cab to the bars and to actually have the kind of fun I wanted, like you didn't to make a night out of it. You should have been around. Had you started your running career yet? No, I had not. I mean, I participated in sports growing up, and I used to hate that aspect of sports conditioning. Do you speak Spanish? We, uh, no, no Spanish. I have a uh, picture of Shelly. She see. <laughs> In our group, Macy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, you know how you used to do that, right? You used to show pictures. Oh, yeah. I want to send it to you, and that way you can just be like, hey, Shelly, tell us about this. Okay. <laughs> right yes. now? No. no like, okay, good. Good. Yeah, I haven't done that, haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> this is, this is one. classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that at the end of the, at the end of the, uh, towards the end of the show. Yeah. We'll get into that. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, so you don't speak Spanish. Don't speak Spanish. Um, I found that to be a significant barrier when I was down there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, I made the erroneous assumption that because it was in the United States that everybody would mm-hmm. would speak English. Um, and the first night I was there, I went to go get some laundry detergent and nobody at the store that I went to oh, wow. spoke yeah. English. And um, you would think that I might have tried to learn. Well, I did. I mean, I learned a little. but Enough to get by. I, yeah. I remember <laughs> my first time rolling into Miami was for the Miami Boat Show, which is like huge. And uh, I pulled into the town and I pulled into a gas station to get a pack of cigarettes. First of all, a pack of cigarettes in Miami is like 10 bucks. In like 2005, it's like 10 bucks for a pack of cigarettes. But I walked into this gas station and I was like, yeah, let me get a pack of smokes. And the guy's like, no, two. And I was like, no, no, I just want a pack of, a pack of smokes. And he's like, no, 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 two, dos, dos. And I was like, I was like bullied into buying two packs, <laughs> and I did. I did not want two packs because I knew it was like ten bucks. I was gonna try to like you know shop around or whatever. And I was like t- 18, 19 years old or whatever. He's like he, he literally bullied me into buying two packs of smokes when I totally did not. And I was like adamant, like no, 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 no. I just one uno, no. Like, nah, dose. Need like put them out, scan them, and everything. He showed you. That'll be twenty-two dollars, Mister Steen. But I was real anxious to get out of Miami. I'd I'd seen enough. Um, So after graduation, I moved from there with my then husband, who was from Raleigh. That's how I ended up there. So you met him down there. Met him down there. Okay. You still have friends as you talk to down there, though. Like connect with and. I have um, a, a couple that I still connect with from law school, and you know, Facebook is wonderful in that regards. That you know, you can keep tabs on on one another and, and check in from time to time. I wish that we were able to see more of each other, but um, because it attracted folks from really all over the place, mm-hmm. it's not like I can go one, you know, to one location and, and see a lot of people at once. So um, I haven't stayed as in touch with them as I would have liked to. How long was you down there? Two and a half years. <clears throat> Upon yeah. graduating and moving to Raleigh, you was you still partying pra- and stuff when you met Andy? Um, no, no, because uh, that was many, many years later when I met Andy. Um, but I, I mean, I partied while I was in Miami. It was tempered a little bit by the responsibilities I had associated with school. But I did manage to surround myself just as like just as I did later with other people who made me feel like what I did was perfectly healthy. <laughs> yeah. Except for the behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Upon moving to Raleigh, started practicing law. Like what was what were the early days like and like kind of getting your feet wet in the courtroom and still kind of living the lifestyle? God, um it was scary uh and my first job out of law school was working for the what's now the division of employment security uh, it's called the employment security commission then and i did telephone hearings so i think that that helped with some of my anxiety is that you know people couldn't see me um i remember early on like pr- pronouncing mebin mebane in a hearing and, yeah you know, having to be corrected and you know, I did some silly stuff. Um, if, if your name but, is funky, I will butcher it. I promise you. Oh, Cal <laughs> over here. His name always gets butchered. Callum? Callum. 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 <laughs> so, um, 
I think maybe being able to hide behind a phone helped a little bit in the beginning. And then I, um, what was life like outside of the courtroom? I still enjoyed the drink a good mm -hmm. bit. Um, I, and I didn't make friends quickly in Raleigh. In fact, I think that I never, um, put a lot of effort. It was, it wasn't until I got into recovery that I put a lot of effort into developing, into developing real friendships and connections in Raleigh. Um, and I think that isolation, you know, really, um, that, that my, yeah, just <laughs> that, that, um, like that process in itself is something that I think is probably lacking in just the human experience is that like, it's not something that we're taught at a young age is how to like cultivate these authentic relationships that we or so, not anymore. Yeah. Like that are so dear yeah, to us in recovery. Right? Like now, I learned it through recovery. Right. And like I treated people like shit and I had expectations of them and it wasn't like there were conditions surrounding our relationship. Right. Like I expect X out of you and in return, I'm going to give you Y. And how like, does this serve me? Yeah, how does yeah. it serve me? Totally uh, greedy, greed filled and driven. Um, and it's like definitely an opportunity. And we know like the science shows that um, not only is it like uh, uh, one of the um, one of the antidotes to addiction, but it's also just like as overall wellness in general, like take the uh, take the addiction and substance use out of it. Like that's how we um, that's how we we're, we're tribal. We're, you know, individuals like we live in a tribe. Right. Like we're and so but we've grown so far away mm -hmm. from that that it's hard to like the kid like I, I just remember I just I I struggled with that. And I got a job in retail sales as a teenager. So I was forced to be able to like interact with people. I put myself right. out there. Right. I was forced to like learn some basic skills like how to gain someone's trust and this and that. But at the end of the day, there was still some tangibles attached to it, meaning I'm trying to sell you something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, how do we, how do we, uh, as a, as a whole, as a local community, how do we like teach that skill set? It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. And then take the, it, taking it, these it, out of this. the equations. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I know I just, you know, I praised Facebook in a sense, but <laughs> it's, it's deceptive, right? I mean, it, it, <laughs> You have all these friends, but they're not your friends. I mean, it's, it's numbers. It's it's quantity. It's not quality oh. of human connections. And, and it can be a sub, like it, it's an excuse for not doing the real thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to teach people how to be a good human <laughs> to another. It, it, yeah. I think, it, you know, sometimes it takes that, that pain, you know, that need to. Take a step back, though, and listen to what you just said, right? To be a good human. That's all we're asking. Right. That's all. Those are the only expectations from anybody that I meet. That's it. Just be a good human. Be kind. Show some love to each other. Passion. Yeah. Treat people fairly. Gentleness. Honesty. Honesty is a great quality. Mm -hmm. Fantastic <laughs> quality. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> I don't know. I just things like that are like what things like that are what. Um, Caleb hates this word, but things like that are what motivate me. <laughs> he didn't like the word motivate? He hates it. Things like that are what motivate me. <laughs> like things are like that are what my brain gets stuck on. And I'm just like, and I think differently than many people, but like things like that are like what? Because those were the opportunities in my story. Those were the downfalls. Those were where the skills were lacking. and um, So those are the things that I think about. 
How do you, how do you, how do you cultivate, how do you teach someone to cultivate an authentic relationship? Take the like romantic bullshit out of it. Like just like, you know, growing up, how do you, how do you cultivate that? How do you teach that? How do you instill that in your children? Do you have children? I don't have children. Okay. How do you, how do you, how do you instill that quality in your future children? Well, I'm trying, oh. <laughs> they're, they're when not you future adopt. children. <laughs> when you adopt, you and Andy adopt. About we have no, in, we have no intention of doing that. Um, God bless those who do that. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what my parents did. And I think it comes, I do think it comes naturally to us, actually. At some, you know, it, there's some well, it does age, we don't want to be alone. because we're not, you know, when you've got your kid fears, they're like, they're not the ones we carry as adults, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, then your parents um, just kind of push you along. You're scared of monsters and, and you yeah. know, um, things that you think might hurt you, but you're not afraid to reach out to other people generally. You know, like there's this very pure and innocent and vulnerable quality that, that children have um, where, you know, that doesn't get away, get in the way of them forming those human connections. But then we lose it, you know, like when we become aware, like, well, yeah. aware of what people think of us, what we believe that people think of us, and at least that's true for me, you know. Um, so it's true it, it's, for most, I mean, and, and it, it's getting younger and younger, you know, that kids are starting to get like that, you know, to where they are scared to be vulnerable and they are scared to um, to reach out. Mm-hmm. And, and But like you said, you know, used to be in before different strains there's there's pros and cons to it because i'm big on cell phone or electronics destroy human interaction human connections um but with that being said you know you do think back to when it was more pure and simple as a child you know just how much easier it was to reach out but now you have all these it goes back to the sermon. We, <clears throat> back to the mm-hmm. sermon we heard this weekend about my makers, my mirror. Mm-hmm. How many mirrors do we hold up and compare ourselves to the world, or compare ourselves to this group or that group, and so we don't have a good image of who we really are. And I feel like uh, it goes back to. I'm telling you, we're beating up some cell phones today, but it goes back to the cell phones, you know, and and kids don't. They don't know how to communicate anymore, you know, because they're always got that in their face. And so they're looking at these highlight films of, you know, people's lives and that's all that they see. And they, it just destroys. Yeah. And I think it destroys creativity too. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the, we used to just not know things, you know, I, like now if I don't know something, I can Google it and have the answer <laughs> in three seconds. Right. But there were times I think about that, like, I guess we it's just didn't know that. it. You know, and we survived or we figured out other ways to get the answers or we just moved on and, you know, played some more. (laughs) Wrote it down on your notepad and checked it out the library next time you're Right, exactly, exactly. Um, And now it's just information overload all the time. No. (laughs) All the time. The source, dictionary. (laughs) But I I think as an adult, unfortunately, for me, I had to be in enough pain to say I can't do this alone, you know, to, mm-hmm. I mean, it took recovery to learn how <laughs> to build those human connections again. Um, mm-hmm. So when you moved to Raleigh, what year was that? And what, what did your, I think I said 2000, 2001 earlier, but that's not 
that's not right. It was 2002 that I moved to Raleigh. What, at what point did you realize like my life is becoming unmanageable? <laughs> um, I'm going to say late 2009, early 2010. Why? What happened? There was not... Well, um, I don't talk about this a lot, but so I was held hostage in my in my house, just outside my house, um, by this stranger who was walking along one night. He basically, ultimately, he was charged with kidnapping and assault. What? Um, yeah. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh! I never knew but, this. But he. Um, he was released. They they thought it was a, an, a domestic violence incident and released him and he went back out and held another man and another woman hostage on two different occasions that were close to one another and beat the heck out of both of them. So he was, in, he was charged with those kidnappings and with assault with intent to kill with respect to, to both of them. And this sounds, this sounds bizarre, but it's true. Um, the shame, like I had some survivor's guilt about it because he had hurt them and really didn't physically hurt me at all, um, that a switch just sort of flipped and I became afraid to go out during the day. Like I was ashamed of going out during the day. Um, and I, I would have to for, for work, but at that point in time, um, I was working from home. I'd gone into like solo private practice and so most of my work I could do from home but I would still go out at night. Um, I I can't explain it, but but that's that is what happened. And during that time period, my drinking definitely ramped up. Um, so wait, hold on. Sorry, yeah. I don't want to interrupt. But how did that even happen? How did he <laughs> was able to retrieve you? <laughs> So oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, was you outside walking? I was outside. Your dog well, or? no, I wasn't walking the dog. I was. <laughs> talking to um to a friend of mine who was doing some work for me at the time I was on the phone with her and I we had a, a garage with like a finished area over it where I had an office and then there was a breezeway and then like the main part of the house and I was on the breezeway and this guy starts to walk up into the into the breezeway and I had enough like wherewithal to say I don't want to be trapped in here with with him so I said no, no no I'll come out there I came out there and he had me like sit down the steps and whenever I would try to move he'd grab a hold of me and he was wearing a wool coat um and it was warm outside and I kept thinking he may have a gun on him and I wow he did he described himself as a career criminal and it was what? a long few hours what? um <laughs> Why don't and you he share just that? Kept Shelley? you on the steps and won't let you get up. He he would like hold on to me and like pat my hair. Oh and my stuff. gosh! And, 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 and even at the time, like I was thinking, I have not, and this is stupid. Don't don't do this, kids. But I mean, I had hitchhiked in Paris by myself at night. Like I had lived in Atlanta and lived in Miami, and I thought I cannot believe this is happening to me right now. Like here in I am Raleigh, in my North house Carolina. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow! And like I felt like something was wrong with me I, um 
I did manage to get his DNA. Ultimately, picked him out of a lineup. Like I kind of went to this. How? DNA? How'd you get that? Gave him the drink that I had, mm. and then kept the glass. Nice. So I just sort of like went kind of sure. intellectual. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that was the way I got through that moment. But um, did he just leave? Hot, yeah. Did what? he just leave? He did ultimately leave because that that woman I was on the phone with, um, I said, "Please call me back." Like I could tell something messed up was happening. Anyway, she called back, and I said to her, "I need you to come over here now." And he just sort of like mid sentence ran off. And so by the time she got there, I was. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So why don't you? Why you said you didn't share that a lot? Why not? I don't because it, I. It's not like that happened, and the next day I showed up in AA. Like there was a. I, I don't think of there being as like some um, catastrophic consequence related to my drinking, but I do think that was sort of like the beginning of the end of. I mean, like it's when my al- my alcohol consumption ramped up and. Um, it became not quite twenty four seven, but very much um, an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And I just don't. It's not. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I just don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily. It doesn't spring to mind. Um, like, what What's interesting is that for many individuals. Um, who experience such a level of trauma like that, it doesn't always tend to influence them into changing their life. Right, like just like that. Almost um, like the opposite of a typical response to such a traumatic event, right? Yeah. And I know it I know it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um And maybe I haven't spent enough time like trying to, to process it. Um, I mean, I do think you know, to the extent that it plays a part in my story, I'm glad that it happened, and it made me appreciate. Um, well, I mean, I was angry at, at law enforcement, um, angry at the DA's office. Uh, made me realize how things should have been done better and differently, you know. Um, so there's a silver lining to it, but um, but yeah, I don't. I may need to spend some more time trying to, to process that. <laughs> Let's talk about early recovery. Okay. What um what action did you take when you were like, you said you were kind of in and out of the rooms for a little bit. You alluded to that earlier. So I had a friend who I knew. Um, knew went to AA and I was curious um and I guess I should back up a little bit I had a self-imposed moratorium on drinking for like a month or two in college and completed that successfully and was like if I ever want to stop drinking it'll be easy right right I know how to do it you know two decades later not quite two decades later whatever um 13 years later I tried to to cut back and it was not easy at all um and so I reached out to this this friend that I knew who was in the program of AA and um asked him to take me to a meeting and of course you know me being the perfectionist 
I asked him 400,000 questions on the way there. Oh, and I drank before. Before? Yeah. Um, take the edge off the anxiety I was feeling. Um, I was like, you know, how much do you have to pay? And do I have to say anything? You know, um, all these sign up. But I knew, like, even walking into that room, I was like, there's, like, magic in here. And I honestly, it's so self-centered, but I felt like everybody, like, God had put everybody in that room for me. Like, they were saying all the right, exactly what I needed to hear. I think that's a pretty natural initial feeling, though. Uh Right. At that point in your life, having gone through what you've gone through, for all of us, like, um, we haven't escaped the self mindset, egotistical type of like behavior. And that's just a natural response to such a powerful moment, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, someone shared something about ego, being an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, and I was like, that is me all the way. Um, you have described me. Um, but yeah, I was hooked, even though I was not ready to do the deal. Like, I was not ready to actually quit drinking. But I didn't make this up. I've heard it said a million times before, and it was so true. AA ruined my drinking. Like, it, it did, it did yeah. what it's supposed to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was no longer fun. Yeah. Um, no part of it was fun. Um, but it took some more suffering before I was ready to do the work. And it was when I finally worked the steps that it, it did click. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Something that I think that Caleb's itching to get at is... Um, my experience tells me that <clears throat> being a part of the fellowship that I am in and doing the work that's required through that program only provided enough for me. And there came a time in my life where I had to seek out additional skill sets, right? I just venture out of my comfort zone that was refuge recovery, that was this thing that I was holding so so tightly, these kind of fixed views, like this thing worked for me, I'm just gonna stay here and ride out the rest of my life sober because these things worked for me. But deep down, I wasn't necessarily like authentically happy. I wasn't necessarily achieving my full potential, right, in life. I was just kind of like coasting through what was expected of me by the program. Did you, do you know what I'm getting at? Well, I think it's probably easy to become complacent or at least comfortable. Mm -hmm. Comfortable. Yeah. In, in whatever you've um, surrounded yourself with. Like, I think you've got to test those. Um, Like what else? the assumptions that you've (laughs) learned through there. Yeah. What else did you start doing? Like, what else have you done? I was, I was, getting, know, at, I was getting at the fitness stuff. Oh, yeah. I was going um, to that. Well, first of all, I was going to say, I just learned how to live my life again, mm-hmm. which, is, you know. It's much harder than it sounds. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I learned how to be an adult. Mm-hmm. In, you know, so, like, self-congratulatory about things that I should have been doing for years and years. Um, but, uh, you know, it's actually towards 
it's actually towards the end of my drinking that I started working out pretty consistently. Okay. I thought maybe that would help and maybe going to church was the, you know, I, I tried these different things. Um, and the, athletics had been an important part of my life for a long time. So um, it felt good to get back in the gym, but you know, how much progress are you going to make when you're shit face? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I went on runs and like fell mm. because I had no business running. Um, but uh, let's see. After I did get sober and kept going to the gym and made that really, I am a creature of, of habit um, and I love routines and making that part of my daily routine <coughs> just became so critical to my mental well-being, you know, um, starting the day. And, and um, I also wanted to find new challenges. Um, I think, and I think this is something that Caleb and I discussed briefly that day we met that um, there's something about running and about endurance sports. It's like you're suffering for a reason as opposed to suffering for the sake of suffering. And I feel like, you know, in active addiction, I was suffering, but there's no, no there's for no reason, for no good reason. <laughs> um, well, we're another side. But with these um, athletic and endurance what? tests. I'm <laughs> suffering right now. My hamstrings are about to snap. Go ahead, Chili. Sorry. No. I mean, I wouldn't say anything. I, I just feel like, uh, and I talked to Caitlin about this, and I don't know if I've shared, it, shared this with you, Shelly, but I just feel like at the core of who we are as humans, <coughs> Like we're created to move, well, you yeah. know, and whenever we get out there and do that, it's like we are so close to exactly who we was created to be, right? And and I just use that for me. I use that time as prayer time, as quiet time. To I get a lot of my best ideas, and I'm out there running, you know, and just pushing myself. Well, it's, it's like a moving meditation. Too. It is. It really is. But also circles back to like that fear conversation that we had where like, you know, you're in the rooms or you found something that works for you. And we've done so much damage to our physical bodies, mm -hmm. right, for so long by poor eating habits and consuming drugs or alcohol that there's a high level of fear that prevents people from just like going for a walk, you know, and just doing those like basic things to provide that experience that you guys are describing right what role did fitness play in like your recovery well i i think your physical well-being is one of the things that you first start to notice coming back that was my experience yeah. um see mine was the exact mine was the exact opposite your mind got clear before uh -huh. your body uh -huh. what do you mean your physical well-being starts coming back like i started being able to sleep and like uh just feeling good in my skin, not like feeling my skin crawl all the time. And um, like just feeling like I was connected more to my environment. Like I just kind of stayed, you know, numb. I, I just stayed numb all the time. And having like a physical awareness come back to me, that was one mm -hmm. of the things I remember <clears throat> about early recovery. That was like one of the things that kept me coming back. Um, yeah, uh, your, your physical body will heal quicker than your brain will. Like... 
right? right. Physiologically right. speaking, I think. And so I wanted to do stuff that would perpetuate that. But I also wanted, I mean, I wanted to do like esteemable acts, like, and I wanted to test the boundaries of what I thought I was capable of. And I think I, I may have said in an email I sent to you, like, I have, I had the sense of, I could do every anything I wanted as long as I didn't do that one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to to test that theory by um, by challenging myself physically. Um, and it was, you know, it was, fun. it was another way to make connections. For one, what gave you that idea though? Like, why? Why was you like? Did you I'm have going an to challenge myself? Yeah. Like, I'm going to push myself to the limits. Well, I mean, I'm competitive, so it seemed to follow that like naturally um, from just, you know, personality wise. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't remember anybody saying, why don't you do this? I think it was that I wanted to do something that, um, something new, like something different. Running, for example, I think I mentioned earlier, it, I hated it as sports conditioning, hated it. Um, but I got out there and I put the time in and I saw improvements and, and seeing those things build upon each other um, was motivating. And I, I want to ask that, like, what's what's the issue with the word motivation? Goggins. That's why I was asking. So the first time I ever really hung out with Kayla. What, you, the we first don't have to say anything else. We can both agree on Goggins. The first thing awesome, he shows yeah. me is... Um, <laughs> a link and I mean this is just like casual conversation stuff for him <laughs> let's casual check out this addict athlete you know what I mean and I mean somewhere I feel like everyone has somebody that inspires them I guess that's what I was trying to get at was what inspired you to want to do that I mean but you could Shelly could have inspired you, Did you <laughs> all I know a vision you know? or a dream or you just like you see something over the internet or and what was it that and with God wake up one day on real run. quick the, the motivation comes and goes you can be motivated to go like I'm motivated every night before I go to bed to get up early and go it's fleeting. Oh, it's right. fleeting. It's, it's not lasting and sustaining. Dis- discipline trumps motivation. Correct. I yeah. think. So he don't like to use exactly. motivation. Drive. Drive. Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, what? I think just the desire to want to test myself and and um, prove that I could do things that I didn't necessarily think. I wouldn't say that I ever thought they were impossible, but um, at that time, I thought a lot of things really have been impossible. Yeah. She so the other day she smokes me in the pool, but obviously it was my time. <laughs> a two year old could. I mean, Sorry, I really do wow. think. Wow, he just took. He's throwing shade. He's throwing shade. <laughs> wow. Hmm. I think if he just put his feet down and walked the pool. <laughs> but, Huh. 250 yards it took me almost 10 minutes. She smoked you? Yeah, she was. But a two-year-old could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what age group? Well, like you young? smoked me, but I'm saying a two-year-old could have beat me. That's what two-year-old could have beat me, but you smoked me, baby. How's that? Now's your time <laughs> to step up. Defend yourself, woman. She didn't know what was going That's on. There's a beast I, in there. She didn't know what was going on when I come by her on that bike. <laughs> that Lance Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all start at the same time this time? We started. I started at twenty seconds behind her. She probably finished 
two minutes in front of me. Two whole minutes? Yeah. I had enough time to run, get my get shoes out, on my off. feet, yeah, my, my shoes, and, and jump get, on get out of the transition area. Get out of transition. I didn't off. see her when I got out of the pool, so she was, a, <laughs> yeah, it might, probably longer than two minutes. So is this what influenced you to hit up the triathlon on the way back? Well, actually, no, um... I had if I could before, beat Kayla McCoy by two minutes, I'm going to go and get a tra- <laughs> enter this triathlon. No, no. Before we had even left, I had mentioned us finding a half marathon to do. Because we had talked about going to Colorado anyways and running and climbing some mountains. But we didn't exactly do that. So I was like, we should at least find a half marathon. And then we're just chilling in a hot tub. <laughs> and he's like, why don't we find a sprint to do? And I, I, that's one of my goals is to do a half Ironman. And now I'm just like, who wants to just run? <laughs> Throw it all in there. It yeah. was so fun. So fun. Yeah. Have you done triathlons? Mm-hmm. You have. I've done a, a sprint with a long swim in Wilmington a couple of years. How long was the swim? A mile, right around a mile. Oh, girl. In, yeah. in open water. I, I oh, swam. In Wilmington, I, I done the 1.2, mm-hmm. the half iron, man. Good for you. I backstroked the whole thing, but I done it. Well, you got there, right? Right. 47 minutes. He backstroked in this 250 yards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think the average that day was like 28 minutes. It was 28 minutes of it. You're giving her ammunition, brother. (laughs) Mate, I I am. That is not my strong suit. Now, the bike and the run, uh, I'm I'm good. But swim... So what you're saying oh, is this Lord. summer you're going to focus on swimming? Oh, I'm, yeah. I want to swim so the I'm Pacific. Pro- no, I'm going to swim the Pacific. <laughs> he can run and bike it. I'll just swim it. I hope you got a wetsuit, sweetheart. It's Ooh, cold. I will get yeah. one. Yeah, I will get one. How did you challenge yourself well, physically? Before we move on. Go on. I, Come on. It was actually at that, that triathlon um, in Wilmington that and I, I did it with one of my, my friends in recovery. And she asked me how – she's – an amazing athlete. She's done full Ironmans. Um, and it wasn't really necessary for her to train for this because it was easy for her. <laughs> yeah. But she said, she asked, how long are the swim times on this? And I said, I, I you know, think I've looked at them and yeah, of course I'd nerd, been a total nerd about it. Um, and I said, I think, you know, they're around 28 minutes to 30 minutes. And she's like, oh, I can do anything for 30 minutes. And that was like, I mean, that a light bulb went off. Um, and that's something I think about so often. And I mean, um, one of the truths of my recovery is that, you know, I'm going to be uncomfortable from time to time, but I'm going to survive it. Like, it's Well, you hope. You sent me me that in an email. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was something, reading that, it was something that I began to reflect on, um, thinking about, like, she's right in a sense that, like, all these... waves of extreme emotional states of mind physical discomfort um mental un- discomfort mental uncomfortable situations to Humili- be it's all humiliation you know yeah all of it it's all fleeting right it's all it, it is. none of it's lasting and so if you can go like wake up when the alarm clock goes off and just know that like whatever life throws at me today <laughs> I can do it for 30 minutes. I can do this for 30 minutes. I mean, that, yeah, that's what they say. But Mm -hmm. it's like, I could totally do that for 30 minutes. And so, like, I did that today. I was telling Caleb before you guys sat down in here that I had a really rough week, like, really challenging week. Like, 
handful of pretty traumatic uh, events happen. And like, I was just, I woke up today in like a bad mood, right? And I was like, this, and I talked to him last night on the phone about it. And I, I was like, man, this just really sucks. Today sucks. Like, I just, I got to go do something that I don't want to do, <laughs> right? There's something that is on my list of priorities that I just don't want to do. Like, I don't want to do it. I've been avoiding it since Saturday. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get on the treadmill. That wasn't the thing that you didn't want to do. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm going to get on that treadmill and I'm going to run as hard as I can for 30 minutes. That's just based off of like what your statement, what you said. It's like, I'm going to run as hard as I can for 30 minutes, regardless of what my lungs do, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how much I sweat, regardless of any of that stuff. I'm just going to go as hard as I can for those 30 minutes because Shelly told me I could. Right, like I could get through that stuff. Um, what are the other truths? So, these are things that you've identified throughout your experience in recovery. Well, I already referenced one that I can do anything as long as I don't do this this one thing. Um, another one is that people don't care about me as much as I thought they did, and I mean that in a good way, like. The sun doesn't rise and set over me. People have, I mean, you know, 99.9% of the time, people are worried about themselves. Like, yeah. you know, even if I'm in an embarrassing situation, oops, sorry, um, you know, people might laugh about it for 10 seconds and they're going to get back to their own stuff. We've all got our own stuff. Um, so it really helped me not take myself so seriously. Um, and on the flip side of that, people do care about me a lot more than I thought they did. In a good, you know, in a good way. Like, people want, I think we want to help each other. Um. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> this, is, this is my truth. <laughs> no, this I mean, I, do you, you, don't, you don't think people are fundamentally, like, that they fundamentally care about one another? For the... I, I, I think, I think for the... Sure? Well, you know, well, you for know what I'm thinking. Part. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, but you're you can't. Um, I, I'm not putting everybody in that box. Yeah. but I mean, more more often than not, yes. But there are there are a lot of people that have a mentality of like, you're not on my team. I don't agree with what you believe. I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I think it happens so much. I think that that's something that you need to step outside of your circle and look at the like the world a little more objectively as opposed to like what the small bit of I'll say hate or disregard for like your actions come from a certain very very small population of people like there's people are more prone to tell you what you're not doing right mm-hmm. but then, there is a bigger than the, yeah amazing that, that's what I'm saying there are, there are those but fundamentally like she said yeah ingrained into our dna we want to help each other yeah and they you know people want to see people want to see i'm thinking yeah like you said i'm thinking outside of our community yeah (laughs) yeah just like the human nature that's how i choose to to feel is that if i ask for help generally i'm gonna get it Mm -hmm. maybe not in the way that i think it's going to come to me or the way I even think I want it but 
Um, I think people want to help one another, and that's definitely been my experience in recovery. Um, so, yeah, people care less about me than I thought, and people care more about me than I thought. <clears throat> well, back to what you were saying is like, you know, if you do something embarrassing, they're going to forget, or you do something that... We'll just, just we'll stay with embarrassing. But that goes back to this. Does that happen to you a lot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All the time when I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that goes back to honest. we can we can thank social media for that because the attention span of people has gotten shorter and shorter because of mine's awful. Mine's awful. My attention Your attention span? span? Yeah. It is. Because I've just got so many thoughts going through my head about this over here, I got to do that, I got to do, you know, and I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working on being more present and listening better. I did, I put my phone down last night when Rob, when I talked to Rob, I was like, look, I got to be, my, my boy needs me, I need to just. Way to brag about something you're supposed to do. I'm just, uh, I'm, not bragging, I'm not bragging about, there she goes. For, sorry, for anybody that's listening and not watching, Shelly's been giving Caleb crap for as long as she's been here, and I think that that's something that's pretty common in this relationship. And I and I and I uh, I look up to that because I think that a big part of like this recovery conversation and what's missing is like, and what's important to me is to like be authentic to my true self, like even the person that was before recovery. And that's like having a good sense of humor and being able to fuck around and like. Not you said it. Not take life so seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the guys that we work out with uh, <laughs> right before April Fools. You know, because we're always going back and forth, just picking at each other. He was like, "I'm just going to send a picture to y'all of y'all for April April Fools because y'all are just ridiculous." <laughs> I mean, just six, six o'clock more. First thing, start throwing jabs. You know, I, I she does. I don't. You just take them. Yeah. Just take it. When you signed oh, up, girl. when you signed up Can to you be, receive that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you signed up to be Shelly's trainer, you didn't know that you were going to be the puncher back too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That comes There's with that it. sense of humor. Yeah. You got to have it, man. You got to have it. Oh, uh, dude, hold on. Okay, carry on. Uh, more truths. He slammed that thing down and it shot the camera over that way. Oh, did it? Way to go. You, you took he Steve out. About you wanted the camera on him. Yeah. <laughs> As we were talking about put, taking yourself did out you, of it. Knock, yeah, did you knock our microphones off, too? Uh-uh. Did you miss it? Caleb Chow. Um, did I what? Lose your audio? Go ahead. I no, think I that's think something that we all have to learn, though, is how to, you know. Q-tip. Put, other, put others before yourself. I mean, in any kind of relationship, especially in marriage, but in any kind of friendship, you know, just learning how to put one another ahead of yourself. It's, and then and when you're in, you know, act, when you're using, that's, that's all you care about is yourself. Mm-hmm. I, self, and me. Well, and that was one of the truths of my recovery, too, is, you know, if Which, I... If I wanted to um, get out of my head, <laughs> you know what was going on mm-hmm. up here, the best and easiest way to do that was to find a way to serve somebody, somebody else, else, you know, or yeah. serve some other purpose. Yes. Um, and that continues to, to be true. How do <laughs> you mean nervous? <laughs> Me? It's, it's no. like really behind. It's like 30 seconds or more behind. How do you get out of your head? How do I get out of my yeah. head now? Well, there's a, a variety of reasons. I think the, oh, 
Are we re-recording it? No. Okay. I mean, I heard. I said, yeah. We're starting all over. Service work. I mean, even if it's a, it can be something as simple as asking somebody else sincere questions about how they're doing. You know, um, just refocusing your attention to something that's not right here in this Mm -hmm. space. That's Um, what you did when you walked in here today. Did I? Yeah, you were like, tell me about this podcast. How did it start? What's what? What's what is all this about? You know, like totally didn't. She she was avoiding being the star of the show. She was boy, avoiding being. The, it is uncomfortable. To I know she was, she didn't she, <laughs> she was like putting it off like no nah, I'm not the featured guest today. Like tell me about this podcast. What, what what's all this nonsense? But well, then I, I got excited. Well, I also wanted to ask. I'd seen something you commented on about your week, and I wanted to oh. ask about that. But I figured I didn't leave enough time for that. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I did not. Um, but no service work. I mean it's you know, it serves multiple purposes. I mean, we're helping others, but we're also helping ourselves in that process. Yeah. It can be challenging at times for um, that to, like, for people to do it authentically. Uh, There can be times throughout the process where it can become an obligation, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they expect me to be the coffee boy or they expect me to do this. Like, it's not... And it, it's so much like people like over, they make it di- more difficult than it really needs to be, right? Like service work can be, like you said, saying hello to the lady at the grocery store and asking her how her day's going. It can be holding the door open for somebody as they're entering the building on campus or whatever, entering the courthouse. Um, but to, circling it back to like taking yourself out of the equation and doing it authentically and not doing it because... I'm obligated to, or I'm playing this role, right? My job is to do X, Y, and Z because that's my job. And so I have to do that, right? It's not as, I don't want to say rewarding because that's kind of like, it's not as meaningful. Right. I guess. But sometimes you can fake your way into it. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) Fake it till you make it, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot of arguments about that statement. Yeah. I tend to buy into it because the the my experience taught like I wasn't I wasn't like these people were telling me that like certain types of certain part of the program right would provide foster some healing in my from my past right and I was like I don't need all that. It was like, it's this meditation, refuge recovery, mindfulness, meditation stuff. And I was avoiding the real like heartful parts of the practice, the forgiveness stuff and the compassion stuff. Like, and I was just doing like the mindfulness stuff. And I was like, I don't need all that heart <laughs> stuff. That's, that's hippie shit, man. I don't need any of that stuff, dude. Like I don't, I don't need any of that stuff, but I stayed clean. Not a good word to use, but I, I did not, use substances for a long time and I experienced some really challenging moments right some really severe betrayals and things and I was like all right I've now abstained from using alcohol and drugs for like two years these people have to be on to something right like the rest of it this thing's created for a reason right they have to there has to be something there I'm hurting right now what I was doing got me to this point but now I got 
I have to take it to the next level. And I did have to go into it with a little bit of blind faith in that, like, okay, they were kind of right. They were onto something. There's something there because it worked and it got, it, and I was able to sustain the sobriety as long as I have. Now let me see what this forgiveness stuff is all about. And guess what? It's fucking magic. Magic. Yeah. That's magical. Magic happened, right? <laughs> that is when the magic happened. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is what, this is what life's all about. So let's talk about the forgiveness process a little bit, specifically okay. self-forgiveness. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, I think that's the hardest one. Yeah. So where do you start? How do you do it? Um, what, it what did it look like in your story? I mean, I, you know, I worked the steps with a sponsor. I say, you know, um, I worked the steps with a sponsor, uh, and that was so, oh my gosh. I mean, it was just so enlightening to me. Um, gosh, she's, I mean, she was a, a true blessing. Um, and she helped me see my part in things um, without beating up on me at all. I mean, she just really, you know, carried carried me with love through the steps. Um, and it helped me come, with respect to, you know, the resentments I carried um, for other people, uh, she helped me understand that, you know, I, I'm... I was the one drinking the poison. The role that you played yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, and I was drinking the poison, you know, wanting somebody else to die. Um, and that, you know, even if I didn't, like sometimes my only role was carrying around the resentment. You know, there were some things that happened in my childhood that it would be very difficult to say this was your part. Um, but my part had been just carrying it around and letting myself be victimized by it. And, and to see that I could lay that down was so empowering and liberating. Um, and, you know, seeing others start to trust me again um, and rely on me again, I mean, that that helped me forgive myself. Um, you know, seeing people want to spend time with me again, like appreciate my company, um, that went a long way towards, towards me forgiving myself. Um, and you know, some of, some of the work I was doing, um, you know, in the gym and other kind of esteemable acts that helped me forgive myself too. But that's a lifelong process. And, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I do things every day that I need to forgive myself and forgive others for, Mm um, and the, the quicker we can do that, uh, the less painful it is, but it's, you know, it's a lifelong thing. What are you you laughing at? No, I said, "Mm mm-hmm. Okay. Agreeing with me. It's such an unusual thing. So. What'd you do today? <laughs> what'd you do today that you need to forgive yourself for, man? T- telling Kaylin she swims as fast as a two-year-old. <laughs> Sorry, baby. I'll forgive you. You forgive her. <laughs> Cut. No. Uh, That's a wrap, folks. <laughs> I think wherever. We, the, the places, whether it be with ourselves or other people, the places where we need to extend that grace and forgiveness in a, in a big way is where lives are changed and breakthrough happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen a boy uh, or a, a young man um, <clears throat> the other day at Cooper's Creek store. And uh, Miss Jody, who's the owner of the store, was talking about hiring somebody back. And this boy 
or this guy I cussed my mom out, just called her every name in the book, right? Several months ago. And so I was hanging on to a lot of resentments. And so he comes walking in. And uh, well, f- let me back up. Before he comes walking in, I'm talking to Miss Jody about <laughs> hiring this person back. And I'm like, well, you need to show grace and forgiveness now. You know, it's what we're supposed to do. And literally, that <laughs> come out of my mouth. The guy comes walking up the steps. <laughs> uh, but I, I knew... I knew right then that God was showing me something, you know, that I needed to deal with. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how lives are changed, you know, and, and even our own breakthrough, uh, grace and forgiveness. But not even for just yourself, like changing your own life, that can, that forgiveness helps to change their life. Yeah. You know, just by them being exposed to that forgiveness and just being like, wow, you know, like I done something that, was really low and this person's forgiving me for it mm-hmm. no way i don't but not no. Not <laughs> hypothetically no no but no i've done a lot of things in my life where i've had to ask for forgiveness um what about in recovery mm-hmm. yeah that's all you're gonna say yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Remember that time we was running? Uh, one time we was running. I mean. <laughs> I think we, no, I was getting ready and we finished. The time we was running, I think we was in Tennessee. And I was telling you a story about something I had done. It might have been with my dad. Remember, I just broke out and just started bawling. Mm-hmm. And I, that was when I experienced that forgiveness for myself mm-hmm. of what I had done to my dad. You know, while was he was Tennessee? sick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, but yeah. it was it just come out of nowhere, you know, and and I I feel like uh, well, I mean, if I hadn't been running, I probably wouldn't experience that. Mm-hmm. Just so far out of self, and I was like, wow, you know, and I got to uh, it just come up in my spirit, and I was like, been hanging on to it, obviously. I just I was bawling like a baby. Caitlin had her arm around me, we're coming up the road, and I was like, <laughs> I was just letting it all out, but yeah. How has your recovery evolved from back in those early days of being in the rooms and challenging yourself physically to what it is today? How does it differ? Like where are the opportunities to continue to challenge yourself right now? Um, you know, it, it doesn't differ that much. I mean, I'm, I think, yeah, I mentioned I'm a creature of habit. Um, and the things he, that, he perked up when you said routine, and I don't. I was wondering what. I'm not even going there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first time when you said it, the first yeah, time. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've you know I've spent enough time. I'm watching, brother. Trying to figure out what works that I kind of have a sense for it now, um. And what doesn't work? Uh huh. One way I've I've evolved um. Over the last few years, I've. I think I've made a lot of progress in not letting perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm. And oh, that's good. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I can relate so much, he's, Shelley, he's, for he, real. <laughs> he's going to steal that one from you. That's, it wasn't an original anyway, so <laughs> I'm not going to copyright well, it or yeah. anything. But Don't feel bad because he uh, takes all my sayings. I've taken one or two. <laughs> No, Can't you just give say? her some credit? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, finish. No, um, 
No, but I think I've made a, a lot of progress. Say I used that to, again, though. So how do you say that? In not letting perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, and so, you know, I used, I used to push myself, I think, to a, a point of being, um, um, you know, unhealthy in what I thought were healthy pursuits, but because I couldn't, you know, rest when I needed to rest or, um, you know, take what you're looking at. You rest. I don't get to rest when I need to rest because I listen. I have to listen to you. Like, oh my God, you need to get. You don't rest. have to. You get to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. You don't have to. Um. <laughs> but but learning how to sort of trust what I'm I'm feeling and not worrying about having to like check a box every single day in every category. Letting, that's been letting go of some of those expectations. Yeah, of, yourself. of, of myself. Um. I really overcommitted myself in early recovery. Uh, and I, I heard the word boundaries, but I didn't know what they meant. You know, I'd, sounds like I'd somebody else. I exercise them. Yeah. You think? Her? And you? Oh, boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. No, no. Uh, over, over committing, over committing yourself. We've had this conversation. <laughs> Not publicly. No, <laughs> but we, we've kind of been at odds. I let I dropped the ball oh, okay. on my the yeah, truth on comes my out end of the deal I did and she, I've done it a couple of times Shelly's had to be like look you know I can't be having this <laughs> I, I drive all the way from Colorway you're not holding up your end of the deal and I wasn't so well I just think time is our most valuable resource for sure mm-hmm. absolutely I don't know why you did that but don't do it again <laughs> <laughs> because he said that but he says that. Well, he anyway. needs to mean it when he says it. <laughs> Anyways, go actually, ahead. I said I talked about that in, uh, in your in your vows. You did, didn't you? Anywho, but I don't remember. I was too in what? love. I was too just. You know, I heard she had the most beautiful. I'm voice. just joking. Whoa. My goodness, I guess that's not something to joke about. <laughs> they can give you shit all night long. <laughs> I was going to be quiet. Never mind. All right, let's keep rolling. Expectations, <laughs> expectations of yourself. Yeah, uh, and and getting stretched too thin. And I, I really, in early recovery, would say yes to everything that was asked of me. And I did, you know, the people, my people pleasing was on full steam ahead. Um, did you experience a period of burnout? Probably. Um, it may have coincided with kind of moving out here and. I think I think part of me was relieved to step away from some of the responsibilities I had in Raleigh with respect to the recovery community, um, but also it, it was 2016. That's the year that we moved. Um, it was the first time in recovery that I'd been really experienced a lot of different changes. I mean, we moved. I changed jobs lost two of our dogs, um, sold a house, bought a house, got me like, you know, just all these, these changes. And I think, um, pre-recovery that would have been any one of those things would have <laughs> been um, deal breakers, been, been almost like insurmountable. Um, I was stuck in, I was stuck before I found recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and recovery made surviving those changes um 
and really thriving, <laughs> you know, even, even through the pain um, possible. And I came out of it stronger on the other side. Um, but, but yeah, moving from Raleigh, I, I did feel like I'd taken on so much. And so when I, I made a point when I got out here to not bite off more than I could chew in a healthy, in a healthy way. Um, not to overextend myself too much. You alluded to the, that transition at the beginning of the show, you alluded to that transition being somewhat challenging going from like a thriving, you know, large metropolitan type of recovery community to like the rural side. Like how did you find your people? How did you land? How did you find what was going to work? Um, not y'all are my only people, but it definitely takes more effort here. I was in Raleigh. There are, Dozens, if not hundreds of meetings a day, at least in the kind of Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill community, uh, anywhere from 5 a.m. probably to midnight. I mean, it's, there's, no, there's no comparison to, to here in terms of the availability of opportunities um, for meetings and also just the size of the, com the community generally. And so here I had to be more deliberate and... I am grateful that I did have some time under my belt because I had more confidence reaching out to, to people and, and going into meetings that I wasn't familiar with mm -hmm. um, than I, I think I would have otherwise been had I, had I been put in a situation where I was not familiar with the community in really early recovery. Um, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but just I had more comfort in my own skin and in my own recovery um, by that time that, that I didn't feel especially strange walking into um, a gymnasium and saying to somebody I hadn't met before, hi, I'm Shelly and I'm in recovery. Um, I don't know if I could have done that earlier. Yeah. What about, um, we haven't really talked much about like spirituality and like your involvement in your church or what role that plays, how you balance it with you know, your fellowship and personal life and that sort of thing. In, how like what role church plays yeah. or uh -huh. spirituality because I don't necessarily think they're Both. one and the same. Um, I grew up in church, uh, and that was another one of those things that that I think I referenced. I tried like when I was towards the end of my drinking and and <laughs> going to the gym, trying to find the missing piece or whatever. Um, I would go to church and and pray, but my prayers were extremely. Okay, I didn't feel like they were selfish, but I was saying, God, please take care of these things that I love because I don't have the presence to take care of them. So in, in fact, it really was incredibly, incredibly selfish because I wanted um, God to, to let me continue to check out <laughs> and still take care of everything. Um, but when I, when I started, started in the rooms of AA and... Um, and then as I finally became sober in the rooms of AA, I continued to, to go to church. I had a great church in, in Raleigh. Um, it's not the church I grew up in. I grew up in a Southern Baptist um, church, and, and I've been attending Episcopal churches for the last decade or so. I um, find them to be very accepting. Um, but just like I think there's no... I don't think I have a monopoly on what sobriety has to look like or the way to get sober. And similarly, I feel that about um, 
about spirituality and I, I just think there's people need to find what works for them it's mm-hmm. not my place to say this is yeah. this is wrong mm-hmm. um i know it works for me but but it doesn't have to be somebody else's story um in in early recovery i really learned how to what i would consider meditating um and learned a lot about like breath work and started practicing yoga pretty consistently what what Oh, we need more nice. yoga in Western North Carolina. <laughs> I yes, we do. Yoga. Yes, we do. Um, Come on. Probably get stoned for saying that. <laughs> Why? Why? I do. You know, you know how you know how that a lot there's of people a, there's are. Some beef. The, yeah, in the Christian community, like how dare you? That is. Nah. You're, that's, you're <laughs> worshiping. Practicing. You're worshiping idols. How, what are you doing? Everybody in the. Christian what? community, but some people... Tell them, tell them, Kayla. They need to calm down. <laughs> y'all need to calm down. Hold on. <laughs> Say it one more time. It does, it, y'all need to calm down. It has no uh, effect on anybody's salvation. That's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> well, if they don't like it, then they don't have to do it. Yeah. You know. Just keep scrolling. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Keep being unstretched. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay, stay stuck. That was good. That was stay good, stuck. Baby. Um, yeah, I just lost it's like it. it sounds like just a overall, um, very well blend, blended pathway to recovery from the rooms to your fitness to some meditation and yoga to your faith and, and participation in your church. Like it's a, a well rounded core um, toolbox. If you will, I think that's good. set of tools that you can kind of lean to depending on like what may arise in your daily lives. A and very I, solid. I've been wanting to use this word since I learned it the other day. A very <laughs> so, solid substratum foundation of uh, recovery tools. What for, for people? Substratum for people who don't know that word. Go ahead and define it for us. It's a found it means foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Are you pronouncing it correctly? Substratum. <laughs> Okay. So do you get T. things Jakes. like T D Jakes? Okay. With you, um better watch out what you say, man. <laughs> with your job, with your profession, do you get to use what you've learned in recovery? Do you get to I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that there are boundaries that you have to keep and I'm sure that there are lines that you can't cross, but do you get to take advantage of the fact that, you know, you you coming from the background that you have, you know, they, how do you, how can, do you get to use that sure. in the courtroom to inspire people or to, you know, try to uh, empower them? Because I know it's, it and depends on how the, they piece. perceive it because a lot of times I've, and I've, I've been in front of judges, I've been in front of, uh, DAs who who have you know no, but not they who have what who <clears throat> you know gave me the speech <laughs> gave was like you know I we've heard about you we know about your past we know you, sometimes like, we know your family we know that you can overcome this I want to give you that opportunity you know and did I do it? No. 
not until the very last time that I got out of jail. But that wasn't because a, a judge let me out or anything. You know, I just done my jail time. Um, but, you know, I just know that there are some people that... But in, in, in a sense, you know, like any time any of the cops tried to give me, like, tried to empower me, I'd be like, whatever, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try to listen to it. But what I'm asking is, do you get that opportunity to, to be that person in your profession? I, I want to ask, and I want to piggyback off what she was saying, is I, I want to encourage you to, and I don't know if you, how much, you, like she said, how much you get to do that, but share your story as often as possible. You know what I mean? Because well, if I come in front of somebody, what, coming from up downstairs, I, I need to hear that they can relate. Mm-hmm. Not from a right, prosecutor. Just a judge, right, not that's from what that I was trying to get to. What that, right, that's, that's yeah, empower them and share, share the as much as possible. You, you do have that, <clears throat> that added advantage. But I, then again, I said, like I said, I know I don't know what kind of boundaries are with your profession or, you know, keeping it professional? Well, in the in the role I have now, there's very little conversation that happens directly between myself and defendants who may be appearing in the courtroom. But that's one of the reasons why it is important to me to, I mean, I'm, I don't guard my story. Like, I'm, I'm here today. I don't believe there's been a time when I've said no to somebody asking me to speak. Um, I... You know, I I like to think of myself as an example that recovery is possible, and that also recovery, um, or you're gonna, I know you're gonna jump, you're gonna criticize whatever word I, I choose, but <laughs> I'm gonna say addiction touches all aspects of society. None of us, what, what are you it's, about? the word addiction? I can't remember if that's one of the like the bad no. words. Addict. Addict. Oh, okay. 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 Um, <laughs> That what? Why are That's you? gross. I love it. That um, it, yeah, it affects every family, every occupation. Um, in terms of, you know, I've shared I've shared my story with clients before. Um, I don't. It's not like I said I'm going to do this on every occasion. Right. It's, it's more yeah. like it's more like as it seems appropriate. Right. Um, I think it helps me, um, you know, the saying, don't BS a BSer. You know, I mean, I think sometimes I'm like... A, you can use it as a tool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. When, um, they, start, when they start feeding you a story, like, listen. Yeah. Or even defense counsel started yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, feeding me a story. I'm like, actually, I do, I, you know, when they're saying, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, actually, I do understand. Um <laughs> Very intimately, I understand that. Uh, I mean, I really, I, I look with a lot of gratitude um, at my, you know, I'm grateful for my addiction. I'm extremely grateful for my recovery. I've, it's the, you know, hardest and, and definitely the hardest, but definitely the best thing I've ever done. Um, and I think it makes me, it does help me be a better lawyer I think that would be true if I was in any other profession either because it helps me be a better person you mm-hmm. know um, well, I think the difference is too is that like Caleb shared in his story that like walking up those steps and seeing his buddy on that side of the courtroom and experiencing like a high level of 
guilt, some shame from like where he was personally at. The difference with you is that you can just like, regardless of if you're disclosing anything, you can approach it and treat them with a level of compassion and a level of like understanding, I guess, of their situation, whether you allude to it or not, Mm -hmm. like, um, to where that they could prevent those types of, those types of like feelings that Caleb felt, you know? Right. And just ride with me for just a second here. Hang on. (laughs) Uh, Obviously when you're down in the pods, you hear a lot of talk about the different guards, what they, you know, what they experience, the DOs or whatever, and, and prosecutors as well. And I just know how impactful that would be if that was circulating down there. Like, look, we got somebody that knows what, knows what, you know, can relate to what we're going through. Yes. You know, and I, I just think that you could help change lives um, just by being very transparent. I, I, like I said, I don't know how much you do that, but just share as much as possible. You know, well, again, I'm not, I'm not guarded about it. I mean, uh, there's no benefit to me holding that on. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a secret. I mean, like, but, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not like helping myself or others. Right. So I'm just saying, like, do they know that about you? If they don't, then try to. You know, I'm just encouraging. I'm not. I, I hope you receive that. No, I, I, I mean, I, I hear you. I'm prohibited from speaking. <laughs> Directly to most, most of the yeah. most of the conversation right. is between her and the defense right. attorneys. Right. Yeah. That's why I try and make myself available. You know. Yeah. Stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. But now I have seen Cody now a few times, like as inmates are coming in or whatever, as everyone's getting seated or we're waiting on the judge, he'll be come over and I, I have seen him do that. Mm-hmm. Talk to some people. Be like, "What are you doing in here again?" Or you know, and presents that opportunity. You can slide it in somewhere. <laughs> I think we should do an article on one feather. I think that you should go down there every morning and sit out there and advocate for them. I'll be, I'll, I'll sit outside when they come outside, do handball, but hey, <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> Y'all go talk to Shelly. Ask about the savage. Yeah. <laughs> She'll have them running. She'll be challenging them like she challenges you, brother. Hey, actually, since wow. you brought up running. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, wait. <laughs> no, she was getting ready to say something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah, no. no, I don't. I really don't remember. Because this is way off. I just, it just made me think of it. Sorry. My bad. Well, there is a uh, this Saturday, a 5K going on, a recovery. May the fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that I, don't what it have, is? I don't have no, you know, dog in that fight. I don't know anything about Star <laughs> is Wars. Is it? Yeah. Oh my god. I've never watched it's Star May Wars. 4th. Oh That's the day. Oh my gosh. Oh, but it's it's uh in reference to recovery. Yeah. yeah. And uh you know, I I would like to see a lot of people come out to that and just take a stand and link arms. Um and see if you can keep up with Caleb. And see if you can keep up with Shelly. Don't give don't give me no love because Shelly's going to rebuke you. Uh-huh. Where is it? It's at the mound. Okay. Yeah. I'll see you there's down a, there. There's a 5K the next weekend, too. Yeah, there is in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. <laughs> and in, in Cherokee as well. <laughs> but no, if, if you guys didn't know about it, mm-hmm. 
come out to it check it out if you've lost somebody you know come out and and let them have a have voice somebody still struggling Stro- yes oh, while you're at it I'll there's a there. uh, tuesday there's something or next tuesday there is a amazing event called bowl for the hope. bowl for hope you going Charlie? first annual you're gonna be there first yeah, annual there. half the proceeds are going I would like to, to see um there's hope, and the other half is going to the Cherokee Children's Home um, to help purchase yeah, materials so the kids could have a playground. Um, this is our second event with them. We've done a kickball game mm-hmm. with them last, last spring as well. So cool. Going to be a bunch of cool prizes. Uh, Chief donated a big screen. Big screen TV. So come out and get your bowl on. It's only $5. How do you win this big screen? You got a bowl pretty darn good, I'd say. Beat, beat Better beat Chief Sneed, and oh, piece of he cake. said he's gonna get three. He's gonna bowl three hundred. That's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> no, but there's other prizes too, like some gift cards to Brios, and, and there'll be mm-hmm. raffles. Brios is. There'll be raffle tickets being sold for different uh, different prizes, and I did want to show Res Hope some love today. Um, a couple days ago. It came up that it was Red's Hope's birthday yeah. on Facebook. And it was. What that means is that's the day I, I finally created a Facebook profile for <laughs> Red's Hope. We had just, and I should have worn an original shirt, the pink ones, but I didn't. But anyways, uh, that's when we first got our batch of T-shirts. And it's just, it's wild. It's wild to look back on the past year on everything that we've Just been right. doing yeah and and you know like that's what i put out today was a it was a post about needing pictures and stuff or i have pictures but if anybody you know wants that's connected with res hope or connected with recovery or connected in any way what kind of pictures what, are you looking for that we're doing just um before and after pictures from recovery uh loved ones that might have passed on uh that you know what are you gonna be doing full circle moments what are you gonna be doing with them I'm putting them in a, in a PowerPoint. Okay. What do you mean full circle moments? Like somebody getting a job because they're recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Any, whatever you want to. Um, or she's, she's holding back over here. Or if we, you know, <laughs> you've. Some of the ministry work Go that ahead. we've done. Nothing. She's holding back over here, man. No, no. Come on now. She's trying to clown you. She's ready to. No, I'm, I'm listening to yeah. ministry work. How do people sign up if they want to come bowling and stuff? How do uh, how do they just show up at five o'clock? Do you got to register? Well, first off, the PowerPoint's gonna be okay. looping playing through the thing. The, okay. Yeah, um, but during the event, during the event, cool. yeah, on big screens, and that's just to show you know that recovery does happen. Uh, I think that everybody has a story to tell, and and that can empower somebody and encourage somebody, you know, that somebody might see, it doesn't have to be Caleb McCoy, it doesn't have to be Caitlin, it doesn't, you know, they might see Shelly's picture up there and be like, man, she, you know, she, I'll be cheering. She dang put me in jail, but there she is in recovery, (laughs) and that inspires me. You never know what it could do. Go ahead, Shelly, what was Um, going to say? I don't remember. Yeah, you don't remember a lot of stuff. Get amnesia in here. So, anyways, um, five dollars <laughs> to bowl, and you get a five dollar arcade card. And um, the top bowlers, I don't exactly know. I know first, second, third place, and are going to win different prizes. And Fantastic! Stuff. Yeah, I'm going to win. So, 
Definitely, that's May 7th from 6.30 to 8.30. Come out and support. And even if you don't bowl, even if you don't want to bowl, if you want to come out and hear the testimony, see what's going on, or just make a donation, like I said, it's going to two really awesome causes. Beautiful. We're approaching the two-hour mark. Until, what? Yes. Seriously? We're past the two-hour mark. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess closing it out, final thoughts, um, like... What's next? How do you ch- how do you challenge yourself today? Like, where do you see Ooh. this thing going? Like, what? Gosh, I wanted to ask y'all about your run. Oh, ask away. We got. I'm not yeah. ending it. Yeah. Um, I'm not ending it. But usually, usually, uh, people are driving in from Asheville and need to go home. So I got nothing but time. Come on, what do you got? No, I'm just curious. Are you all ready for your your running? Yeah, right? we'll see. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I don't know what's gonna happen with the job, man. I really don't. I really oh, don't. So sorry. I'm. Uh, we will know tomorrow evening by, to see for sure. Somewhere so we are. <laughs> we might be looking <laughs> for a driver. You might be looking yeah. for a driver, but uh, anybody that's you know wants to make uh, a statement in recovery, tough. it's tough. Um, Come on. I want to make a statement, but I want to make a shorter statement. <laughs> what are you kind of? What are you thinking? No, I mean like I. I think it's hard to take off carve that carve out that much time. I mean. Yeah. It, it's not, it's it. not, yeah, it's not feasible for a lot of people, but I think it's awesome to have a goal, you know, that's extraordinary and something to, to work for. And I'm excited for y'all. I'm excited that you're able to do it. It'll we'll be a, a wonderful accomplishment. Come run some with us. Come drive some. I'm not interested in driving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fly across the country to drive. Thanks. <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> as it, he tried to make me the driver. We had a, a huge disagreement for on this. For this time? Yeah. Oh, I was like, like, if Rob like don't go, gonna... you're going to drive. Oh, if she'll drive, I'll run with you. No, I'm not driving. <laughs> we had a huge disagreement. Yeah, so on her honeymoon about this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> only Caleb, uh, on that note. Good only, night. only Caleb McCoy would have an argument about a, a, a long-distance run on his honeymoon. <laughs> so... So as it stands right now, right? So the, the plan was to, the way this thing, this whole thing unfolded was that he came back from his first run and oh we did a bunch God. of, po- we did a bunch of podcasts and he kept saying, I want to do something more. And he dropped, he said like something about the Pacific coast once or twice. He's throwing out all these crazy ideas. Seven, uh, you go back to listen to our old podcast in the early days when he first <clears> got back and he, he was talking about. Seven continents in seven days. Watch and see. And <laughs> but he hit he mentioned the Pacific Coast a couple times. And so like down the road we had a conversation on the air. I was like, hey, what if we did this Pacific Coast thing? We took our podcast with us and we popped into recovery communities and I could document you guys running in a nice professional quality. I'm gonna buy a nice camera with some of the, the money that we have set aside for a camera and just that sort of thing. How, how we could like document this whole thing. And it kind of like have, has evolved. What's wrong with you, man? Kind of has evolved. He's mad. Kind of <laughs> has evolved into this, into this thing. Right. And then we've been like planning on this. We got a, Caleb worked really hard on selecting a route. He ordered some books on Amazon and did his research and kind of selected a route destinations and that sort of thing. And, do some fellowship work and reach out into communities. I can't believe we're doing this on the air. (laughs) (laughs) It's something about to happen. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. And so, um, you know, do all of these things. And I work this crappy job. I make like nine bucks an hour. It's, I, 
I enjoy engaging with the community, but it's not like a career. It's something to get me through college while we're doing this thing. So like two weeks ago, uh, a job kind of was proposed to me that's, that could be very impactful on like my career path and the, the, uh, the work that's being done and their goals and visions are very in line with like where I want to take this podcast. It's one of those opportunities where like, I don't know that it would ever be presented to me again. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. I'm going to find out tomorrow if I got the job or not. I went through the interview process and that sort of thing. So I don't know. Good luck. You know, have to wait. I, I, <laughs> Preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah, right? it is. And it's like it sounds like the universe is conspiring to support you. Yeah, you it's know, conspiring it's, to sabotage our <laughs> adventure too. So like, how no, do you? But and I'm the type of person that's like, go for it. Like I, I tend to um, not conform to normal, you know, things. Like I do things differently, right? Like I don't choose a traditional path. I'm like starting up a podcast it's, that nobody else. I just yeah, yeah, I just don't. I'm not somebody that does that. So like, for me to step away from this adventure that we have planned and worked so hard on it is kind of like, in a sense, somewhat going against my typical train of thought and typical behaviors and that sort of thing. Like, I'm usually the guy that's like fuck it let's go you know what i mean so like it's it's a big dilemma you know what do they say like throw a flip a coin yeah and that's you telling me to flip a coin no no i'm telling you to trust trust the instinct of what you want Mm -hmm. how you want that coin tossed well well, it's like you weigh the you weigh that you weigh the options out and it's like what are you passionate about? What we were talking about this thing earlier, like what are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish? And it will all of that surrounds this work right here. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you went on this adventure though and did this whole podcast and documentary and everything and it and that's what that's what I'm saying to take you. That's what I'm to saying. That's what I'm saying. Is that level? What's important to me is this right here. Because yeah. I think there are blessings that are waiting to happen on this. Mm-hmm. this whole journey that n- none of us can even begin to imagine mm-hmm. it's not just about caleb it's not just about me it's not just about us it's not just about rob you know i mean there's so much more to it but mm-hmm. i got i support anything you want to do bro your fam no matter what we love you yeah so like it's just it's one of those things robin just like bouncing it back and forth and it's it's but a, can we just split you, this you know, out? But you know what, I, what I'm saying, flip a coin, I don't mean take it yeah, that casually. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> your, your body will tell you where you want to go. I know. I know. It's just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll your find body out or your heart or, or your mind. A combination it's of all, factors will. All the same. Even, <laughs> sometimes it, there's blessings on both sides of it. There. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah, I'm not trying to. Uh, I don't. I don't even know the word to use right influence? now. Influence? Um, not influence. I'm not trying to make the other, like the job. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying Sound. to make it seem any less. Yeah. As What's appealing to me? Like I had no up until like this thing coming. I had no real interest in um, pursuing a career in the field. You know, just not like 
we talked before, it's not really something that's like on my radar. You know, I enjoy this. I enjoy this connection and meeting all of these wonderful people and creating this library of resources for future generations of people to stumble across and have access to at any time. It's going to be on the internet forever. You know, like I, I enjoy the connections that I make and the relationships that I build by doing this with this opportunity. It's like what, a mo what significantly appeals me to it is that number one, they're, um, they're specifically targeting in the very beginning of this podcast. We talked about all of those little issues that everybody knows about. But nobody, not a lot of people are like taking some action for. They're specifically targeting those. But number two, the the most appealing part is that um, it's literally like being a part of the creation process. Mm -hmm. That's what appeals to me. I learned from you know where this thing kind of evolved, but like they they're brand new. They don't necessarily have a office or a location or a logo or a website or a Facebook page, and like being a part of like creating something that's tangible and being a, creating that and giving it to like our community and then being of service to like our community and, cr and creating something that is so needed here in Western North Carolina. You know, what's beautiful is that you have options and either way it's a win, yeah. you know, I mean, it's so true. It's like a huge blessing of recovery. You know, your life, well, my life mm -hmm. went from being so small to being so big that I have a problem, you know, saying Deciding. yes to <laughs> saying yes to too many things, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I'm excited for you. Caleb's <laughs> not. Oh, yeah. is this no, just, I'm just, I know. I know. I think we we're know. having the stare down right now. We, we are. <laughs> I'm we just. Are. I'm just taking it in. You I know. know. I'm just seeing where you're coming from, and you know, I love you and I support you. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's meant to happen, if you go with us, you'll be with us. Yeah. The right decision will be made ultimately. Mm -hmm. I have faith in heart, mind, all that. So, so the right decision will be made. What other questions do you have for the crew here? <clears throat> What's next for the podcast? What's I'm the last guest in April, right? Who do you have mm -hmm. coming on in May? Um, I have to go back to my list and check i have the month booked hey we should get boha tribe on here we talked to him at the wedding and we talked about at that time this job stuff hadn't escalated to where it was we talked about doing something in texas when we get there yeah <laughs> he's huffing and puffing man you hear him in your ears yeah so this is what i'm thinking that if you don't go <laughs> how are we gonna do it how are we going to put out the oh it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, and tie everything in. And yeah, it's going to be really difficult. For you, Hannah. <laughs> no. I just, I just want to get as much. Um, I would like to see a document, documentary made out of one of these things that, that we do. You know. I'm going to be wearing some head. <laughs> uh, what's up? The GoPro on your head. <laughs> Would you do we'll it? We'll figure it out. Either way, it's going to work out. Would you do it yeah, regardless? I, I mean, would. even without yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's so much fun. Oh, we we had it. planned to it's do like, the like, Trail of Tears with us. Like Richie Tannehill said, don't do it for the fame. Do it for the love of the game. Do it because I, I, that's what I love mm -hmm. to do. That's yeah. what, that's just we're we're going to go and we're going to love on some people. When, regardless. We're gonna yeah, love no matter what. 
we're going out, we're going out there to. But I just want to I want to get the message out there to the masses and to as many people that that's that's the goal you know and if that doesn't happen that's just one of the goals if that doesn't happen we're still going to do it still going to love yeah. people and, and impact people. Well, you got to experience what it was like to follow last time, right? And to stay up mm-hmm. to stay up to oh, date. Gosh, <laughs> what you do? <laughs> No, we're not even going there. Just, <laughs> no. I'll tell this is after. This is behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> to like follow like along and to like, you know, each night pop open your Facebook and see what Caleb did today and what he's up to. Oh, I to. did not you do didn't that. do all that? I checked in from time to time. Time to time. There was a many lot of people, peop- Many people did. <laughs> yes, many people did. Many people did. And so I think that's what, that's the... That's what he's getting at. There, there's so many, the impact. There's so much negativity out there, and everybody loves to see a, a good a comeback story, story of hope, mm-hmm. you know, inspiration. I mean, there's just so much. There's just this huge volume of hate and anger, and and you know what I mean, and, and just bitterness out there. And so I, I'm just so thankful to have this platform that God's blessed me with that I can impact people, and that's why you know, I mean, that's that's a huge part of uh, you know my ministry. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, Shelly. Well, thanks for having me. I've yeah, got what, a picture for you. I got a picture? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You texting it to me? Yeah. So I'm going to show you a picture that Caleb wants me to show, and <laughs> I want you up. I want you to describe. Okay, yeah. I want you to describe to me, Shelly, what is taking place in this picture. <laughs> and describe it to our audience who can't see it on TV or on the YouTube. Like, <laughs> What is taking place in the picture? What like led up to this moment where you or somebody in your life documented it? I have no idea. And shared it, shared it, or posted it out publicly. Like, what was this? Surrounding from my childhood. Yeah, it is. Do you know how he got it? She's seen it. She sent it to you. (laughs) He's getting his own picture. (laughs) Well, while we're waiting for Caleb to do that, I want to send out a big thank you to Carmen Bryant. Carmen Bryant, oh, yeah. you know who she is, right? Yeah. Carmen Bryant's Matt's mother, and um, she has been a large supporter oh, of yes. NC Raw. I got to meet her. Did you? Yes, and she she is all about some NC Raw yeah. now. She's a supporter of NC Raw. She's on our Patreon page, um, and she c- communicates through our Patreon page every now and then. She'll send um, some comments and things like that, and... She, right before we started tonight, reached out, kind of ex- sent a lovely message surrounding like some of the things that I was talking about in the live stream that we do, the behind the scenes live stream. Yeah. She really like um, had some wonderful words to say. Oh, I, wanted, I wanted to thank her for supporting us, but then also just sharing that message with me because it was definitely impactful and powerful. Awesome. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, she did. I when I met her, she Can't was like, she said, "I love what you guys are doing," and and I forgot to tell y'all about that. I told Caleb, but yeah, Matt said, "Dude, my mom loves the yeah. show." <laughs> hey, shout out to Matt. Yeah. Hey, talking about oh, health, yeah. health and running and fitness and stuff. Like he he uh, catered our. Our wedding, we would have our, ma- our our meal prep guy cater our wedding. <laughs> well, it was funny because like number but he killed it. Number yeah, he one, did. the food was phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going around, people were talking, and everyone was just like, "Man, this food's so great!" And so I was talking to him uh, as I was waiting for the pictures and all that crap, and 
I was like, so like, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the food. I was like, so like, have you been like passing out a lot of business cards and like getting some leads and stuff like that? And he's like, oh no, no, I don't want anything because yeah. I don't want anything to do with all that. I got my hands full with just like the meal prep and stuff. He's like, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily, necessarily looking for another wedding to cater. He's like, that's not something that's on my radar. I, I do have to give him a shout out though. Cause that was awesome. Uh, he really loves what we're all doing. And, and I seen a bunch, a huge cooler full of meals when I yeah. was on the Trail of Tears. Oh, twice. Yeah. Yeah. He's always backed us and everything that we do. And, and so if you live in Western North Carolina, check out Mad Meal Preps on Facebook and click on the menu link and you can order some food from him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he mailed to you. He's got the He'll deliver coolers. too if it's a business. And cool. uh, he's actually, we're actually getting ready to do a breakfast bowl. For the Pacific Coast Highway, a fundraiser. The I whole, was just thinking that today. The month of May, we're going to be selling. He needs to create a Caleb McCoy. It is. Put it your is. name on it. It kind is. Of thing. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. Shelly's <laughs> a hater, yo. She yes. always throws shade. I am shade. a hater, yes. She's, she, she's trying to humble you, son. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> Shelly. Yes. You're a wonderful, wonderful woman. You're an inspiration to our community. It's been a it's been a privilege to have you here tonight. Thank you. And I would welcome you back anytime. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing. It's so important. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Love you. See ya. Later. Thank you for listening to the podcast and a very special thank you to the Comfort Inn of Silva, North Carolina for providing the recording space for each and every episode of NT Raw. Comfort Inn is located at 1235 East Main Street in Silva and can be found on thechoicehotels.com. They're a part of the Choice Hotels chain. If you're thinking about visiting the Western North Carolina area this beautiful time of the year, um, pop in, say hello, stay the night. They're uh, Comfort Inn's a recovery ally. They support the work that we're doing and they support many community-based organizations. So give them some love. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page, YouTube channel at NC Raw Podcast. And then follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WNC Raw. Thanks for checking us out.